You're in Ephesians 1. Um, let's start with verse 18, familiar passage, and then we'll dive in. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. Can you say his calling? So there's a hope somewhere out there in the heavenlies of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Everybody say his inheritance in you or in the saints. So last week I read a passage out of Romans 15 verse 13 that says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, everybody say overflow, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I read it during the message. Eric read it again at the end of service, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So his goodness gives you the right to overflow with hope in every situation, doesn't it? To overflow with hope, not just a little bit of hope. Overflow isn't just, gosh, I'm still holding on. It's overflowing with hope in every situation. And his goodness gives you the right to overflow with hope no matter what's going on. But we've got to avail ourselves to his goodness, don't we? Because if we understand his goodness, we'll understand he's good in every situation. And then we'll have hope in every situation. Hope begins somewhere, doesn't it? Is God good? Is God good? Is God good? Is God good? God's got a calling and his calling is you. He's got a hope and the hope of heaven is that Jesus walks out his calling and we know that his calling has to do with an inheritance that he has in the saints. Hope gives you access to all things. Hope gives you access to all things of God. And it's really all things of, of God. Right? Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of, of your heart. It's not just He'll give you things, but He'll give you the desires of your heart. He really will. And what that, all, what that really means is not that He'll just give you, if you desire something, He'll give it to you. No, it's, hey, I'm going to give you actual desires. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. I'm going to put them in you because you were born to have these desires so that when you allow your emotions to start to hook up with what I've put in you and you start to ask me for the desires that I've already put in you, the answer is yes. Access to all things. Lord, what have you put inside of me? What desires should I be asking for? You said that if I delighted myself in you, you would give me the desires. Hope gives you access to those desires. Every time Jesus appeared to his disciples in, in the hope message, we've been talking about all the times after the death and resurrection that Jesus went to go find his disciples and appear to them because the death did a little number on all of his disciples, all of them. They were all distraught and they all sort of scattered and they all went separate ways. And, you know, these guys are friends. So here's a moment where in John 21, where seven of them went fishing and 
I just want to set up the scene for you. Every time Jesus appears to his disciples right after the resurrection, it's for the purpose of rekindling their hope and their calling. And so, but before we get into John 21, these guys are all fishing, seven of them are in a boat. And remember in Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, go tarry in Jerusalem and wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. Just wanted to throw that in. These guys were fishing. The boat wasn't in the upper room. I told you to wait in the upper room and you went fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing, but I told you to wait in the upper room. All right, so let's pick it up. John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, uh, Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. I'm going to, out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. Now Jesus is saying, Remember, I called you to something. Everything that Jesus does is sort of a prophetic picture of where you are in life and where you are in this moment and reminding you of where I've called you. Remember, this is a whole picture of hope because that's where, what he does. He shows up on the shores of our soul and he wants to impart hope. And so, have you caught any fish? No, no, we haven't. And you can just see the moment setting up. I've called you to great things, but it seems like there's nothing manifesting to the degree that we talked about. There's nothing being produced, and, and you've got to see it for a second. It's like, wait a minute. These seven guys are the most powerful guys on the planet. They're the ones that you would want in your boat, they're the ones that are going to shake the world, shake society with the gospel. They fished all night, and it's a prophetic picture. They've got nothing. Let's just go over the crew, just so you would know. You ever seen Gilligan's Island? You ought to get to know the crew. Thurston Howell III. Who else is the crew of Gilligan's Island? Ginger. Marianne. Gilligan. The skipper. The skipper, too. Gilligan, the professor, Marianne, Mrs. Howell, Thurston Howell III, remember him? We haven't had any bubbly since we've been stranded on this dreadful island. Remember that guy? So here's the crew in the boat. We've got Peter. Peter's called Stone, right? He's, he's the rock. He's known for being aggressive. He's a get-it-done type of guy. He's also known for operating in great faith and then also often over-functioning in his own strength. But Peter's driver and his ability to fish didn't get it done, did it? Fished all night. Goose eggs. No fish. Who else is in the boat? Thomas. Oh, that guy. Doubting. Thomas is probably the first thing that comes to your mind. He's known for doubting the supernatural. But he was probably wise and calculating. 
That was probably his gift. That gift probably became uh, a strength overstated and then became a weakness when doubt got in there. But he was probably calculated. He was probably super wise and, hey, let's think this thing through. And when you add fear to that kind of gift, it becomes a strength overstated and then it turns into doubt. And now you can't even see the supernatural if Jesus himself was standing right in front of you. And so Thomas is in the boat And Thomas didn't stay doubting. First century historians talk about how when Thomas went to now modern day India, he um, converted some Hindu priests um, who were throwing water up into the air because that's what they would do. They would throw things up into the air to their gods and the water would come back down, but they were doing sort of a, a drink offering, if you will, to their gods. And it's noted in history that doubting Thomas went to one of those, um, those uh, temples uh, with a Hindu priest and said, wow, uh, your God must, kind of like an Elijah moment, your God must not be receiving that water. Well, why do you say? Because it's coming back down as soon as you throw it up. And literally, he took a bucket of water and threw it into the air and it hovered and then disappeared. My God receives my praise. And they all got saved. So it doesn't take long to uh, dive in a little deeper and find out, okay, so he didn't always stay doubting. Who else uh, is in the boat? And and, and if Peter was a driver, then definitely Thomas is a stabilizer. He's calculated. He's wisdom. He's strategy. He's get it done as well, but it didn't get it done because there's actually no fish in the boat. Nathaniel from Cana means gift of God. He's known for having high integral. Remember? High integrity. Remember? Uh, oh, Nathaniel, I saw you under the tree, Jesus said. The one in whom there is no deceit. He's just known for purity, known for integrity, known for having no guile, no bitterness. But Nathaniel's gift, this very the place that he was called from means gift of God. That means the gifts even that God's given you didn't get it done. No fish. Nothing at all. Integrity didn't get it done. Purity didn't get it done. No fish. James and John are also in the boat. These guys are called the sons of Zebedee, which actually means Jehovah's gift. So you have other people who are now, there's three people in the boat that their actual name or the place they were born means gift of God. And even that, your gifts don't get it done. Now, if you know anything about James and John, they were also called the sons of thunder. These guys were in the boat. And no fish. In Mark 3, they're both known for being the sons of thunder, gifts of God. James, again, one of the sons of thunder there, they were both in the boat. James is known for having given his life to the point of martyrdom. But still no fish. Sons of thunder, power doesn't get it done, passion doesn't get it done, no fish. Then your Bible goes on, and the last two that are mentioned in that list are nameless. It just said, and two others were in the boat. That's your humility. That's the faceless disciples, the one who need no recognition. They serve at, at, at the back, and they're full of humility and That's awesome. That's an amazing gift to have, but still humility doesn't get it done. No fish. All these attributes of God are nothing 
without God. They're nothing until Jesus shows up on their seashore, on the shores of their soul, and says, hey, I want to use the giftings by the way that I've given you, but you're always going to need me to show you when and where to direct those giftings. You'll never do your calling apart from me. None of the attributes that I've given you will cause you to bring in a harvest unless I'm here. Our call is his call, and his call is our call. But our call will not work right unless his presence shows up. When there seems to be no fruit from the labors that you've been striving for, or when fears tempt us to leave the upper room like it just happened and try to get it done, Jesus, who is hope, will come and find you. And that's what's happening here. I don't want to be in the upper room right now. I don't want to go after these things. I've gone after these things before, and something has recently happened in my life that has given me a cross scene, a death scene to my vision, to my hope, and I'd rather go do something in my own strength than stay in the upper room and keep hoping for something and Jesus goes, I'm coming after you. This is hope standing on the seashore himself going, I will find you. 